Oh my god, here we are. We're back. We're back for The Walking Dead. Season 5, Episode 2, Strangers Recap. And this is the post-episode issues. I'm your host, Phil the Issues Guy, and I'm back. Yeah, some of you that saw me last week, uh, Charles Manson's gone. I'm now porn stash in honor of Orange the New Black. Someone warranted me to see if I could turn my mustache into a twisty tie. We'll see about that. We'll see if I can do that later. But everybody, we are back here to talk everything The Walking Dead. I, I don't want to get excited. I, I, I might get my foot caught in my mouth tonight because I'm a little hungover. I'm a little sick. But we have to get out here and talk about... What I thought started off as kind of a slow build into a really oh freaking awesome back. payoff. We're I can, I can hear myself. I can hear myself and replay. One second. Sorry about that, everybody. Technical difficulties. <laughs> it was the double intro. This this episode was so exciting. We needed two intros to it. <laughs> but with me, as always, when talking The Walking Dead, is my friend and co-host Joe Dirtylocks. How are you doing tonight, Joe? I'm doing very well. Good evening, everybody. It's good to see you. Yeah, and what I really got to say right off the bat is any people that I know had somewhat of a problem with seasons two and three and in the direction that those seasons took in The Walking Dead, since Scott Gimple's taken over last season and this season, The Walking Dead has gone from a really cool show with some zombie kills and some character stuff to a, to a character study piece and a lot deeper and a lot more fulfilling in the shock moments. It... it it really captures, I think it, it definitely is influenced by the other shows of the time that are doing shocking things. I, I think I've heard Scott Gimp, Gimple talk about how uh, he was influenced by the whole Breaking Bad thing. So, so you can see some of that huge shock and huge complete reversal and story structure and something building for a story. And that's what I like more about since he's taken over last season fixing some of the wrongs, get the whole governor situation taken care of, and then get more back to what we like, them on the road dealing with intense situations and in serious plots and thought thought patterns. But anyways, folks, if this is your first time tuning into us, please hit that subscribe button. And if you have anything to say about the episode, uh, as we're talking about it right now, if you tune in live, please comment away in the comment section. Or if you're watching this later in the week, comment away as well, and we'll try to get to your comments and respond. But... But Joe, let's get right into it. Let's get into this episode because a lot of stuff happened and we, we have a lot of crap to talk about here. But I don't know if Joe froze again. He might, he might be frozen. We might have more technical difficulties here. We've been having uh, freezing issues with Joe. So if he, uh, it, he'll become a coming and a going like, uh, like Forrest Gump here. But before we go any further, I do need to say a huge thank you to everyone that checked out our video from last week. Uh, coming into, we had a record-breaking week with people excited to learn more and talk more about The Walking Dead. So thank you so much for checking out the video. We really appreciate it. And, and keep it coming. Keep, keep commenting away and keeping the discussion and keeping the episode alive. So, so again, Joe, are you there? Well, if you want to reach us during the show, comment in the comment section. You can also tweet me at I Got Issues Man or tweet Joe at, at Dirty Locks. So, so here we go. I'm going to get into it, and uh, hopefully Joe will pop back in uh, as, as we go here. Now, let me see. Let me see if I can re-invite him and see if that helps. See if, see if this situation helps Joe to, to get back in here, because I want to hear what Joe says about this episode. I don't want to just talk about it. I mean, I will, but I don't want to just do that. 
So the episode opens up at the very beginning. We we get the slow motion walk of the group. Dun, dun, dun. The group walking away from the burning terminus. We see smoke monsters billowing in the distance. There's definitely lots of smoke monsters in, in this episode. And they they all stop through the woods to, to stop and get a bite to eat, to eat somebody, to, uh, to eat, not to eat someone's foot. We're, we're not there yet. We're not to the eating someone's foot stage quite yet. But uh, and it's to deal with the first half of this episode. We talked a little bit about this last week, how a big part of this episode needed to deal on the second episode, Strangers, needed to deal with a lot of the character dynamics that got set up towards the end of last season. All the things with Tara, all the things with, with uh, Matt, with uh, Daryl and Carol. <laughs> That's such a uh, tongue twister. Daryl and Carol, Daryl and Carol, Daryl and Carol. All that sort of stuff needed to be dealt with on a personal level and needed to, and I kind of, and I really do like what the episode did where it just basically got all that out of the way. It didn't, it didn't waste a lot of time. Some of it they stretched through the episode, but again, it seems like, it seems like the direction of this show right now is just, oh, we have an issue to deal with. Let's just deal with it and go on. And, and I like that. I like that. That seems to be the, the, the mantra of the showrunner instead of just letting things hang and dwindle for a season where nothing happens and we deal with a single emotional struggle for, for several weeks upon weeks. It seems like now that they're taking a focus of, oh, let's get rid of the simple stuff so we can deal, so we can get, cut through the bullshit a little bit and just get to it. And I really, I'm really enjoying that about the episode, about these, about last season and again I think even hitting their stride with this season because this is the first one that they don't really have to worry about what someone else is doing this is the this is the one that it's the first season that it's like the players say they there's sometimes where people get to uh get to pick their own players where a coach comes in and takes over a team and then all of a sudden he has that first year back with his own players he can hire his own coach so, ladies and gentlemen, we do have Joe Dirty Locks back on his phone. What's interesting is if you look down on the film strip, I don't know if it's that way for the people watching too. Oh, no, the other one just disappeared. We had uh, we had three of you for a second, Joe, but welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back. Yeah. So, so again, everybody, sorry about the technical difficulties at the start of the show as we're uh, we're we're a little rusty. So we're uh, we're dealing with getting back up to date. And sometimes when you don't play your guitar for a while, it's you can come back and you're like, oh, shit, my guitar is broken. What's going on here? Last week went off without a hitch, of course. But now this week, week two, we're yeah. All the technical difficulties. The technical, are exactly. We're, uh, you know, when we first get up to bat, we can swing. Uh, enough sports metaphors. Anyways, so uh, what I talked about before you, before you, uh, when you were going through technical technical difficulties, Joe, was how much I'm enjoying how the new art director and new show showrunner in the last couple of seasons has set the standard for seasons three and seasons and seasons four. I mean, seasons four and season five now, and really worked hard to. To, to set the show apart, to not just be what it was in the first, mainly in seasons two and three, where, where certain emotional things would last. Like, like all that stuff with Tara that got dealt with in the very first half of this episode, that would have taken a season and a half if, uh, if this was season two or season three. And they would have been wandering around the farm and worrying about, yeah. <laughs> worrying about what's going on. right out there. 
get it right out there much better. I like it much more. Me too. It's it's just bam, get it done, get it done. I think I think very much it's it's also along the lines of he just wanted to wrap up all those storylines so they could get to the meat of what they wanted to do this season. <laughs> There's no reason to keep all that stuff together. We all know it happened. Um, so just get it out there. Yeah. Forget about that drama. They have a lot they want to get done. They're going in a completely new direction. So just end those storylines. Get it done with. Move on. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I was basically saying the same thing there. They're really doing a great job of cutting through the bullshit this year. Uh, and uh, last year, the second half of last year as well. And just basically getting to it. Just just, st- just stop messing around and stick it in already. Just get it right. in there. <laughs> I also wanted to mention why, before we get into it a little more deep, if if you guys have, as long with commenting away, and you can tweet either of us, uh, you can also call a hotline and leave a message that that if you do leave a message or text the number, we'll uh, we'll play those we'll play those calls on the, the following week's episode. If you have anything to say, positive or negative, we 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 appreciate it all. Seven eight one nine nine zero eight five zero nine. Please leave a message or you can text that number as well. So as I said before, just started, uh, we open up to our slow motion Rick and the team doing their best 80s superhero uh, walk through the woods. Dun, 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 dun. And, and again, I thought this was a very Sons of Anarchy influenced montage setup to get a lot of stuff just done at once. And I, and I really appreciate, appreciated that as we see Terminus burning up in the distance. They stop. They get they get a chance to eat some food, and Tara and Rick handle their bullshit about the stuff with the governor. Uh, he tells her that Glenn clued him in on everything, and if Glenn's okay with you, I'm okay with you. Right. Then got we got that done with. Got it out of the way because that was one of the things we were wondering about. Glenn kind of just glances over it, doesn't want to tell Maggie. Yeah, yeah, and they just cut through that bullshit tonight. And Carol and Tyrese. Let's get a quick scene of them. But in between slow motion scenes of the team walking, Carol and Tyrese are shown collecting some water. He asks uh, if, if she's spoken to Rick about what happens. She goes, eh, I've talked to, I've talked to a bunch of people. I haven't directly talked to Rick, but everyone seems okay with it. We find out that everyone basically knows what Carol did. We never actually saw that, but the information's uh, carried over that Rick has told Daryl and Glenn and Maggie and the, the important people, what Carol did. Okay, because I thought they said, let's tell them. They don't know yet, but let's tell them what Carol did. But I don't think anybody knows that Rick, because Carol doesn't want to tell Daryl that Rick forced her to leave. He doesn't want to, he don't, she doesn't want to bring that up later in the episode. Right. So I think they were saying, we can tell them what you did to the two people in the prison, I'll make them understand. I'll say it was okay, that it's fine. She did what was right. But let's not tell them about Lizzie and the, or the two girls because I just need to forget about it. Absolutely. I just think that... She, she gives him like this messed up look at that point too. Like, like, oh, you still don't get it or there's something wrong with you or why are you such a, a baby or whatever. But then she gives Daryl that same exact line, and he doesn't give her that look at all. He's completely like, yeah, I get it. Okay, that's, let's move on. That's because as cool as Carol's become as a character, essentially, and they've captured something with her that they haven't been able to do in print, and they haven't been able to do until right around now, they really 
she she has bigger walls around her than anybody else in the group. If anyone in this group is going to eventually turn into a uh, cannibal to stay alive, it's probably someone like Carol. She's she's gotten to this point where she is so focused. She's like the Terminator right now, and she's not. And John Connor cannot survive. <laughs> There's no way John Connor's surviving. Right. So so she tells him that. Uh, Again, he basically has to man up, and Tyrese disagrees. Tyrese explains that he doesn't want to tell them what happened to the girls, that he'd rather forget. And he's still visibly, as Joe was saying, visibly very emotional about the whole situation. No doubt that right. this guy is, he's feeling it. He's, he, he, he's got the feels, as they say. He, he's, he can't get over this. And even more so, do you think that if what happened with the girls didn't happen Tyrese would be more pissed off about his girlfriend and Carol doing that did that whole situation help ease down the pill because of that course it did of course it did because it's that's the moment where he really where he really knows that she did what she thought needed to be done which is the same thing she was doing right then and there right you know, he knew for sure that both that girl needed to die. She was never going to be right in the head. She was going to be a serial killer, and that was all there was to it. He knew that she had to go. So is it akin to, and I'm crazy with the sports metaphors tonight, being a, being a wussy at the end of a, a game or a sport, you know that other guy, you can pass the ball to him and he's going to sh- hit the basket because you're so scared. He started to realize that, I guess it's better to have someone like Carol in this world on my side than it is not to. I get where she's coming from. She makes decisions. She makes the decisions I can't. Because I could never do well, something no, like that. I think everybody has has their place. I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing that he's not willing to do that. Because uh, not that he's not willing to do what needs to be done, but that he has a tougher time with it. There's no problem with that. The thing is, is when you're a coach, even, and if you're a good enough player, you know that when it's, you know, point. Oh, three left on the clock and you're inbounding the ball, you're throwing it to Jordan. Yep. Are you not throwing it to Jordan? Does anybody on the team say, no, coach, don't give it to Jordan. Give it to me. Don't give it to Bird. Don't give it to the, you know, like what? Give it to the, what? Give, give it to the fat guy from Czechoslovakia. Don't give, it to yeah. James. don't give it to the king. You know what? No, you, it, you give it to the, the guy that's going to make the shot. And if that guy happens to be Carol, Carol makes the shot. That's all there is yeah. to it. No, it's true. And if Tyrese is the guy that's going to be the heart of the team and going to be the person that keeps, that goes to kind of what Abraham was saying later in the episode and it's people like Tyrese and, and it seems like Carl's done a complete 360 and people like Carl are the, are the types that are keeping the humanity. Uh, it was Dale before it was Herschel at, at one point. Well, I got to say this. I got to say, I'm not exactly sure I like what just happened with Carlton Knight. We'll, we'll get into like, that. We'll get into that in a bit. We'll get into that. Okay. I feel like it was a big, there was a couple of big character shifts just for plot purposes with Carl. That he just was, he suddenly, he flips and he flops and and it's hard to know exactly where he's, where he stands. He, he lost some points for me tonight as well. Carl, Carl, Carl was a little bit wishy-washy, but maybe it was all that pudding. Maybe all that pudding last year went to his head. And if if uh, Bob and Sasha can play games, he should have just played the Xbox that he could have played last season. But that's last season. Let's get back into this episode. Yeah, you, you, I like the uh, the Red Ring of Death reference last episode. <laughs> yeah, totally. you know, even if I if I go all Red Ring <laughs> from um, Mullet Man. 
Eugene, Gino, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, he he gave a he did a foobar line too. He's thrown that out a couple of times. Foobar, even in a foobar situation like this. Yeah, he he's uh he's very video game oriented in his lingo. Like that's crap you would hear on the other end of your mic on Xbox 360. That it makes me think like, yeah, he was a part of a ten man team in the halo or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. I will get into him. A, we'll get to him in a little bit, but there's something I just don't trust about him. I, I, I don't know if he was playing again. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know if he was playing a video game where he was the scientists on the raid or something like, at, like or, or no, no, or just that he was on a 10 man, 10 man. Wow. Team who happened to be in a, in a guild or whatever with a couple of people who claim to be scientists in Washington or some shit like that. So I was privy, you know, conversations were had, drinks were had, whatever. I yeah, was privy or, to information being talked about. Or he was playing some sick game of D&D &D or something, some real life D&D &D <laughs> shit going on. And, and it was like the scientist role play or something. Like that. there's something weird about that, dude. So Yeah, so, I agree. So as the group continues in slow motion, each character of a member of importance after each scene, after the Carol and Daryl scene, then they show up in the slow motion. And then after the Tyrese, and the Bob and Sasha stuff. We, we see them in the slow motion. So we see our crack team of, of uh, commandos or something. And I think as Joe disappeared again, I, I think that was a, that was a big element of the episode in association to the name. I think kind of what Carl was saying or Glenn was saying last week, we, we are the people that are going to go and save somebody. That's, that's exactly who we are. But we have to stay being those people, being the superheroes. There was a little bit of an Avengers, them walking through. Dun, 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 dun. No, I'm Avengers, but I'm wearing Batman. But you, you know what I'm saying. Hopefully, Joe will come back here in a second. Let's uh, as as I continue through this through this through the maze of this episode. So as a group. Uh, the group continues. They uh, they enter the woods and they em enter the empty road as they as they're walking through the woods. And we see Michonne uh, and Michonne spots a walker and and kills her. And as Abra Abraham and uh, his girlfriend, I I forget what her name is. Ro I think it's Rose or Ro uh, Rosita. Rosita looks on and he proclaims, "Now nah, that's what I've been waiting for." And she's like, "Fair enough." Is what she says, and this is when we get our title card to uh, to come up. Doodle, 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 the Walking Dead, and and basically, we don't know exactly what Abraham was referring to there or his moment. It kind of goes back to what he was saying last week, where he goes, "I'm going to pick an opportunity to kind of throw this whole Washington D.C. thing on him." And I guess Michonne killing the one Walker changes the mood of the situation and and makes it okay to talk about. Mullet man saving the world. Welcome back, Joe. I think I think Joe's back. I can see I can see him. We can all see him. Yeah, there he is. He's he's leaving and he's back. He's back and forth a lot tonight. I can see him moving his mouth, but I don't I don't hear anything coming out yet. I'm back. Yes, Joe is back. <laughs> so yeah, so after the the title card. They continue walking, and the group are shown around a campfire for, for the night. Rick approaches Carl, <laughs> Carol, and tells her that he uh, he he owes her everything for what she did. Uh, 
And she, and she goes, no, you owe Tyrese. She gave, and he gives him the watch that they found from the kid, from the penguin. They got, thank you for all the information from people listening last week that clued me in that that guy's the same guy that plays the penguin, uh, penguin in, on Gotham. Is the character. Was, uh, the same guy in the earlier episode when she got the watch. Yes, when uh, the, the, the pre-mentioned when Rick sends her away episode. And uh, she gives him the gives him the watch. Rick confesses that he's not sure about what Carol did, uh, and but he knows that 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 if Glenn and if everybody didn't accept her back in, and, and everybody knows if if everyone wasn't okay with it, he you know we need to be able to trust you. He basically says, and they need and you saved me. We need and I sent you away to go on the road and now we're all going with you on the road. So will you have me? Rick kind of goes hat in hand a little bit. Will you have me? And this- yeah, will, you take, will you take us back? Will you take me back? That's exactly what he needed to say to her. You know? yeah, do you, did you find it a little, a little bullshitty? A little no, bit pandering? I, I a little pandery? At all. I didn't, I didn't find it pandering. I didn't find it bullshitty. She just came in. She risked her life after he abandoned her when she was doing what she thought was the right thing. And I agree with Rick that it was very much so the wrong thing. We've, we've debated this. We've, yes. We've, we've, this has been an argument that people have been having for eight, 10 months, a yeah. year now. So yeah. whatever. That being said, he knows that it's, he did what he thought was right, but ends up being having been the wrong thing. And he goes to her and he's, you know, he's basically saying thank you. And, and, Rather than saying, please join us, he's saying it in a different way, and it's the right way to say it, I think. It is in the psychology way of making someone feel... Yeah, exactly what you, it is. It's respect. It's respect, and it's also... I think. See, to me, it's a little bit of he knows what he has to say to her, but if he wasn't in the situation they were in, would they... Is he only going with her because he's thanking her for, for what she did to save them? Is that is that the big if he and also if he knew what she did with it's the not just to save them it was also it's also to save the little girl Judith you know yeah it's the Judith thing it it is the Judith thing do you think if Rick knew about what they did with the little girls that would change the way he felt right now no not at all I think when it, when Tyrese got to explaining it he knows who Tyrese is and he knows that Tyrese is not going to be couple of little girls for no reason yeah so when Tyrese would explain it if Tyrese had to explain it then it would be it would be fine and, and ultimately they're the only two people that know hey the two girls got eaten by zombies enough said period what else do you have to say the two girls do they do, does Rick and the group really even need to ask what happened to Lizzie nobody even knows that Lizzie was with Tyrese at this point it's true it's true no one knows who what exactly happened as the prison went in a downfall and I, right. and I obviously don't know exactly what was going on, too, because I preempted the uh, theme song. Our theme song has not happened yet. So we first we got the Carol and Daryl scene sitting alone, and Carol explains that she just doesn't want to talk about it, and she's not going to talk about anything, that she can't. We kind of already talked about the scene a little bit. She just yeah. wants to forget it. He says it's all right after— He looks pissed. He, he looks does. Pissed. There was a he long silence. Pissed. Like, it, like, yeah, he was happy to see her at Terminus— when she magically showed up all clean from the slime. But now that he's had a day or whatever, two days to think about, you know, as far as he knows, as far as Rick said, she left. He didn't kick her out. He didn't say to anybody in the group what happened, just that Carol wasn't with them anymore. So 
he's kind of hurt by that. You know, you disappear, you took off on me like everybody else in my life has ever done. We were supposed to be family and he wants to, how about that? She can't, she can't say your brother, Rick, this guy who leave, tossed me out so you can survive and kicked me out of the group, the safety, you know, because then she would also have to explain too that she killed the two people and everything. And that hasn't been talked about yet. That's what she doesn't want to, that's what she doesn't want to talk about. When it, that, no, she doesn't, no, she doesn't, I don't think she would mind talking about killing Tyrese's girlfriend there and, and the other person. I think she doesn't want to have to ruin the relationship between Daryl and Rick at this point. Interesting. She doesn't want to have to say, you're, you're the leader of the group, kicked, kicked me out. I think she still might be hurt about that too, because she feels like she did the right thing. I, I mean, to speak to that point, I think that's part of the reason why she left and didn't know why. It's, it's in this world... It, there's moments when you say you forgive people and everything's all right, but still your automatic desire is, I can't be around these fucking people because of what they did to me. And I think part of why she walked out at the end was, she's like, I'm not buying into this. I'm not all gung-ho, go team anymore. I've been alone for a while. I'm just, eh, I'm, I'm done with it. But I don't think necessarily, I think you might be right about that a little bit. Like, and that's why she says to Rick, she kind of cuts Rick off and says, you know, you knew I could survive. I did. You knew I was ready to be out there on my own to survive. And I think that's what she, she's not done finding herself, I don't think yet, in, in a large respect. Like she knows who she is and who she has to be. And I don't think she feels like she can be that strong person in this group of strong people. And if she was going to be that strong person, she has to tell Daryl, what happened? I think you're right on the money with with something you said there that she's awesome in her skin, but because of her foundation, her upbringing, her being with an abusive person that probably did a that obviously did a huge number on her. It's still tough for her to realize how much of a badass she is and how and how much she's such an independent person. And that comes off later in the episode when she just goes, eh, "Oh shucksy, poo, I got lucky," and yada yada yada. Knows that she's this badass person, but she still has a little bit of a problem finding her voice in it. Mm. So at the end, I of the think she knew, knew then she was a badass person, kind of, but was having trouble blooming or finding her voice. But at the end of this scene, we hear a little ruffling in the woods, and uh, our master hunter says he didn't hear anything. But I think he only said that in case they were being watched, uh, just to be to act like so because he, he didn't want the person to think that. They were uh, onto him, uh, and they hear somebody in the woods rustling, and he says it's nothing. But you knew you knew it was basically going to be something that was going to be, be need to be dealt with at some point. You knew, you knew this episode this with this bit this sort of lead in where everything was sort of positive. We had a happy ending at the end of the last episode. You knew there was some sort of impending doom coming, right? And and you knew Daryl was on that right away. He says when he went when he got back, they all pops out from behind a tree. I always find it funny in, in these wood scenes like that people sneak up on you so easy. Like that wasn't like such thick, thick thicket. And he just like pops around from this big tree and everybody draws their gun like 
I would imagine they would have seen him walking over yeah, that the, way. The next morning. Did you, did, you, did you find in a certain section of this episode, uh, Daryl became the comic relief in the background, just making a wise-ass comment. He's like, I, I surrender. And then there was a few other lines later where he's like, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, you know, something. He, he just had uh, the, uh, the wise, he was the wisecracker at moments tonight. A little bit. A little fan service there for all the Daryl fans to give him, like, make him a little, make him even cooler than he already is. He was, he's such a badass tonight. Great, great Daryl episode. In the so, but when he comes around the tree, he said the first thing he says to Rick is, you know, there were no footprints, no trails. So he had already talked to Rick too. Yeah, that there was somebody potentially watching, or or around them that night. Now to to seem even more like our superheroes, Rick does a little whistle, like the sound of music, where all the kids line up, and, he's like, pew, pew, and then they and they do like a formation or whatever, and they to keep everybody close together. And Abraham makes his move. And he talks to Rick about finding a vehicle and that he still, he thinks that the group here should be heading to Washington. And Rick doesn't seem positive about that in, in this moment. He gives a sort of similar vibe that everybody of our main crack team has to Abraham, sort of rolling their eyes at him. Yeah, yeah, you want to save the world, sure. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And I think part of that, again, we talked about this a lot more last week. Part of that, I think, is at least our general group, the people that were around in season one, still have the built-in foundation of being at the CDC. And to them, they probably think, well, that guy who was at the CDC said there's no hope here. So there is no hope here. Right. They, they probably... It's hard to believe that this uh, Washington bunker wouldn't have been in contact with the people at the CDC during that exactly. time period. That this guy from Texas... <laughs> this D&D player have a, a mind for video games and stuff and like even though he went down and was like I'm going to set off this charge and try to damn they never got the chance we never got to see the chance that that worked or didn't work yeah never happened. We've, so. we've had no demonstration of whether this guy's competent or not we haven't even seen him play a video game to see if he just gets <laughs> gets pwned by everybody we, we haven't seen any of that yet and we're not bad mouthing gamers uh, to give a little bit of personal information. Last night, Joe and I were hanging out with a bunch of our friends for the last 20 plus years. And you, still, and you guys still have no nothing against my nest. Okay, but whatever. We'll get into Smash Brothers later. But that's what we were doing. We are playing Smash 64. So we're not saying anything bad about gamers. Gamers can be very intelligent. One of our friends... Yeah, you heard that. 64. Yeah, 64. Yeah, we're, we're old. So and the, and the newest Mario Kart. Mario Kart yeah, game. Mario Kart Wii U. And we're passing around the 3DS playing the, <laughs> yeah. playing the yeah. new uh, one. So we're not completely out of touch. But when it comes down to it, we don't, we're not saying... We don't want to talk shit about gamers and say that a gamer can't be intelligent, too. I'm just saying that this guy, the way he comes across as Joe said he comes across as that idiot you're playing on Xbox Live. It's like, ha ha ha! You're on, I just foobarred you in the fourth in the fourth fourth quarter of this Madden game. <laughs> the bastard that camps you for twenty minutes because uh, I don't know we took his item at the auction house. Yeah, exactly. He he just comes off as that kind of guy. Like everybody that's been in an online room playing a game has met Eugene before. They 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 you know this guy. So speaking of games, Bob and Sasha are playing this word game that I still don't quite get what they were doing. As no, they were- okay, they're doing po- like a positive negative. She says, you know, like like ah, uh, we got jungle rot in our crotch, and he goes, yeah, but at least we have something to chew on. Okay, so they were doing the, they were doing the Casey Jones Donatello thing from the Ninja Turtles movie. They were play- right. they were going ass brain, bird brain, cock tease, well, no, dildo. One person was saying something negative, and Bob's new thing on life is. 
I found love. Um, you know, we found the group. We got out of the cannibal pit alive. We're not the ones that died. Everybody's still whole. Life is beautiful. Awesome. You know, and she's like, oh, when it's 100 degrees and you're walking for four days in the sun, he's like, yeah, but you're going to have an awesome tan. Now, he's trying to find the good in everything. Now, was with, with all the good in everything shit that Bob was spouting, was there any doubt, like a bad reality show with a bad edit that you just know who's going home that week on the reality show? Was there any like, doubt that on. something bad Mr. was going to happy sunshine's got to die. Yeah, something bad was going to happen to Bob tonight. There was, there was like, no doubt from the beginning for the right when he starts being mr sunshine the happy and so, pants and so here we go like with this development of bob going down does, is this something where sasha was already about to break and bob kind of talked her we'll, out of breaking we'll get that we'll get into that in the end because i ha already got a couple texts of people that fill me in with a little bit of comic information that we might not have seen the end of Bob. I don't know if that's a, that's not necessarily a spoiler because it's not the same character. Bob is not in the comics, but just because, I mean, he could end up being a Herschel. If someone's saying that, what if his, just his legs gone? What if he gets saved before they eat the okay, rest wait, of Wait, 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 let's, let's continue. We'll, let's yeah, we're, we're getting off track because I want to get into a lot of wait. Bob stuff later. So, yeah. bo so Bob and Sasha are playing their little word game and as they're walking through the forest and, Tyrese looks on as like like he really needed this. Ty, this is sorry for the reference, friends. This was huge and he needed it. Uh, Tyrese looked really really happy and really really pumped for what was going on with his sister, and 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 also I think that people still play games. They kiss a few times and Tyrese asks about, oh how's it going? How's it going, his little sis? You getting some? And suddenly no no, no, no. he's. Tyrese is looking for, while he's walking behind. He's like smiling. He's yeah, sick. he's loving it. He's loving it. He's loving that his sister's happy. He's loving that Bob and her found and that they're enjoying life. I think he needed, again, he needed this with the way he's feeling. This is one of the things to help bring him out of his funk. And suddenly in the distance, we hear someone, someone yell. And the whole group looks at each other, looks to Rick. And Carl insists that they rescue, rescue him. Now here's a big question. Did they do okay. the wrong thing? Okay. Do they do not rescue the person when you hear the screams? What do you here's, do, Joe? Here's my here's my point about about Carl. Carl now has had to do some pretty nasty stuff. He killed that little boy. He went through everything. He knows he's not going to be able to live. He had Laurie as a mom. He, he had Laurie as a mom. That's the most horrible thing. <laughs> so uh, sorry. He, he just recently though. Let's forget about the past whole past year and all the trauma that this kid has suffered and gone through and let's just think about the past week and that he came across the last few bunch of people he came across the the governor crowd came and destroyed the prison right and killed herschel beheaded him in front of him okay those were strangers and then let's go he comes across they're sitting out one night and a gang comes up on him and starts to rape him to the point where he's sitting in that car, he's very traumatized. His dad has to bite the guy's face off. Mayor Joe Hale goes down in a in a in a Rick's own cannibalistic, you know, uh, what ends up being a nice foreshadow moment for the next week of his, mm -hmm. you know, a couple or while. So then that happens to Carl. Then when they get to this place that's promised to be the sanctuary for all, they get you know locked up in a cannibal as cattle for cannibals so but that he yells come on dad let's go save this person that's yelling out for help immediately that strikes me as very odd for a child who has absolutely no reason to trust almost anybody they come across 
whatsoever. And the fact that somebody's yelling out from the distance, help me, is more likely in this world to be a trap than someone who's actually in danger. It's a trap. I, I tend to agree with you. And as in my notes, I wrote something similar at this point. I think they try to explain it later on. Uh, besides all the pudding he ate, which could have like had... Carl saying, "Oh, some somebody somebody's still got to be good." No, yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking. Like nine of them in that in that group, right? That, that that's not so... necessarily what I was talking about. I was talking more about in the same scene, but when he gets into talking about how they're unstoppable, I think he's a kid and he think and he's starting to come to this grips of we've been through all these horrible situations and we keep making it out with, with what happened in the prison. He's a night. Yeah, thinks he's, his dad's a superhero the way he even says it in the container in the episode before you know him and maggie he steps forward when eugene's messing with that door and he steps forward and he's like no no no, my dad's coming back yeah he is yeah and then maggie steps forward and says that's right he is coming back you know so that's I, just the way it goes it's rick so as i agree with you i and i think it was also i couldn't agree with with everything you said more but i think how they the show was trying to explain it was more that Carl's starting to get this feeling of invincibility, which... Well, it's also because he killed that kid. He doesn't want to feel like he's one of these bad people in the world. He wants to be a good person, and that's what he thinks he has to do. His father was a cop in the real world and all that stuff, but still, with the trauma that this kid has gone through in just the last week alone, with strangers, with getting almost raped, with being almost eaten, with having his family almost eaten... With the, with the prison falling, you know, a couple of weeks before that or a week before that. I don't know. Timeline's kind of weird. With, I don't know exactly how long. With losing, losing Beth to Daryl, you know? <laughs> like, there's, a, there's a, a lot that uh, that this kid's gone through for him to just be so quick to, to snap up and be like, let's go save and not be a little bit more, like, sullen and in, inside himself. I mean, I, I, I could... guess people deal with trauma in different ways, but uh... that's a... I, I, t- I tend to agree with you more. I think I think it's a poor choice of the way, the direction that they're taking the character. They're, unless they're setting him up for a big fall where one bad thing's going to happen and then he's going to have some sort of emotional breakdown like a kid should going through all of this. If they're leading to something like that, maybe this is okay. But I agree with you that if you look at the time, if you look at the time frame and you look at what he's actually been through, he should probably be acting a lot more... A lot. I mean, someone could say he already kind of had his breakdown when he was all like pissed at his mom and then ended up having to kill his mom's corpse and then was all pissed at his dad for a little while and and killed that boy in the woods with a gun and then was still pissed at dad because dad tried to make him a farmer. And yeah, shit. yeah. But you know, so maybe he already did have his kind of like breakdown and come to grips and knows who he wants to be. But still, I find it just a little strange that he wants to trust this guy so so quickly and let's talk about this guy this freak who's still wearing his priest outfit no we'll get and to we're gonna get to him in one second clayton Hughes i don't want to call Oz. him a freak because he has faith or because he's a christian or anything but just because at this point in this so suddenly in the distance we hear someone yelling and they run for help and i think i agree with everything joe said up until a point i think I hate to say it like this because I love the show and I think it was it's, it's awesome, but I think in a way they needed somebody to suggest, let's go save this guy. And they did it with Glenn last week. So Glenn's not going to do it again because look what happened to him last week after doing that. Uh, <laughs> right? And, and exactly. So exactly. they had Carl do it. So they had, so they had Carl do it. I think to me, that's the only possible explanation. They needed somebody to do it. And he's, they're like, uh, it's got to be Carl. 
and Carl did it last time, last season too, when uh, when they were first back with Michonne and and they some guy started yelling for help and Rick yeah. had to be like, it's too late. There's tw- twelve of them already biting them. Yeah, Everyone. and I and I think also to speak to your point about Mich- about uh, Carl's sanity, I think Michonne's helped a lot. She's helped keep him humanize him and keep him thinking like a kid at times and keeping some of the innocence there. I think Herschel did a great job with that too. Yeah. They, the far, the, we make fun of the farmer Rick stage, but it was something Carl really did need after what he did to that boy to, to set him down the path that he is now. Uh, and, and still, I'm going to say he did the right thing. I still think he did the right thing to that boy. I disagree with everybody who thinks that he was going psycho killer. Yeah, sure. He had a lot of anger and everything, but that they said, stop, put down your weapon and the kid did not go to put down his weapon any cop on the job would have shot that kid immediately at that point so when you point a gun at someone and say put down your weapon and they don't go to put it down they do any other kind of move that's pretty much you need to shoot them because they're about to shoot you otherwise (laughs) they've called your bluff or you're not bluffing so the team's running in running in from the woods and we they run up and we see this guy uh, that we don't know yet, but he is Father Gabriel, so who, who is who is a character from the comics, um, from the books. So on top of the rock, he's surrounded by walkers, and he tries to kick them away, but doesn't appear to really be able to do anything. He doesn't have any weapons or anything like that. The group take care of the walkers and kick some ass, and they tell him to jump down from the rock, but he looks like a scared dog that has it a whole... It did not look like he had more than enough room to get his foot out of their dangling grasp. I'd have to watch the scene again. I was taking notes while I'm watching, so I'm like looking up and down a lot of times. The internet will let us know if they think the same. Now, uh, trusting a trusting a stranger is definitely touch and go. I think Rick handled the situation as best as best as he can, uh, and and he's asking what kind of people they what kind of people are they. Gabriel throws up <laughs> after he comes down, and he thanks them for getting rid of the walkers. Rick asks if he's armed, where he says, no, do I look like the type of guy that would have weapons? No, you look like a dumbass, Clayton Hughes. I didn't ask what you looked like. I asked if you were armed. Yep. And Gabriel explains that he only needs God as a weapon, and this is where we get it. I'm sorry, but at this point in time, this far past the apocalypse, I don't give a shit. If I come across you and you are in a priest outfit and and it's that clean, just in one at all, I'm pretty sure you're a con man, and that's all there is to it. There's nothing else I have to think. I do not believe you are still a priest of the Catholic Church. Even if your faith is that good, I think it's really rather tacky to be walking around at this point in that. Or you're Leonardo DiCaprio and catch me if you can. I'm sorry, but I just, I would be furious. I would just keep walking. I, I probably wouldn't have tried to save him. And that's shows that i'm such a bad awful person <laughs> i'm sure but i just would immediately think this guy's a con artist he's trying to get something like why is he in the middle of the woods no weapon in a priest outfit on a rock dangling his foot down for four for four walkers to, to pick at to like pretend that they're trying to eat and i'm still very disappointed i still feel like these walkers don't pose any real threat like not only when they're only when they're in mass like mass quantities and surrounding right. them by four four lines. Our group has gotten to be they've leveled up so much in the video game from the first half that now any of the like monsters. The point where Carol, like with a little bit of face paint and hair goo, just walks amongst them, like <laughs> opens the door in front of five of them after fighting with Tasha Yar, and they don't even like glance once at her. Now we'll get to the Bob scene later. Someone like Bob gets dragged underwater and got bit or didn't get bit. We don't know. 
Uh, but that's oh, a different. Yeah. That, well, we'll, we'll, let's get to that later. So he says the I I only need God as a weapon, and this is where we get our. Uh, suddenly, could you turn me down just a little bit? For some reason, I could suddenly hear myself. I don't know what happened. But uh, <laughs> this is where we get one of our Daryl things. Uh, sure, don't look like it. <laughs> sure, don't look like you. Only have don't need God. A little wise ass Daryl comment. And uh, this guy, Father Father Gabriel, excuse me, jokes that he uh, what he did was he prayed and he called for help and they and the help came in the form of the group. <laughs> he asked if they have any food and oh my God, was that not that was oh I wanted to scream. I almost screamed at my TV like that that line alone that would have further sealed my fact that I would have think this guy's a con artist of some sort. Like, oh, did I, did I not call for help and help arrived? Obviously I was calling for God's help and God sent you and his, in it for me, for my help. By the way, do you have a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I got these pecans. In Carl. Philip Andre. And Carl, who's completely drinking the Kool-Aid, walk, walks up and, and gives him some food. Gabriel explains he has a church, and Rick's, Rick goes, once he says church, <laughs> Rick puts him up against the wall and starts uh, frisking him. And Gabriel, uh, and he asks him the question, how many walkers have you killed? How many people have you killed? Why? And Gabriel confesses, and he says he, he hasn't killed anybody, and, and uh, he hasn't killed anybody because of his beliefs. Yeah, I like Rick says, why? Yeah, why? Why and, haven't you killed anybody? What's what? <laughs> and I love Rick. Rick just looks him up and down in this scene and is looking at him like a poker player sizing up a hand, just giving him the big up and down eyes. Like, I know you got that. I know you got, I know you got a hand. I know, or I know you're bluffing here. I know you're bluffing. Uh, I like how when they start walking to the church too shortly, like think they just start walking to the church next. Like yep. after he frisks him, he's like, okay, bring me, bring us to the church. And, uh, Freaking Gabriel starts joking. I might just be leading you to steal your squirrels and stuff. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like I, most people probably would have just floored him right then and there. Like, and not cared about anything else he had to say at that point. Looks like I looks like I don't have a sense of humor. My congregation the, told me the I don't. The best thing is too is I probably would have made that same comment. <laughs> I mean, again, you I just you get the feeling like this guy even before the zombie apocalypse didn't was that goofy guy that made inappropriate jokes. He, you get that vibe from him already. And again, the only thing I know in life is bad Arnold Schwarzenegger movies like last action hero. And, and I think the most important thing you can learn from movies like that is, golden ticket. is that, is that you can tell ca characters, what kind of characters they're going to be on a show or a movie usually by what the they Houdini's were in, ticket, not the golden ticket it was Houdini's ticket. Houdini's magic ticket uh, is, <laughs> is so awful that I know that is, uh, is, you can judge people by who they played in other movies and stuff. And this guy that is playing the father that he was, he played this character Clayton Hughes on a show called Oz and he was a complete penis, a crazy penis. So, you know, this guy's going to end up being a crazy penis because he played a bad. That is so true. Every time you see a certain act, like when you see mayor Joe Hale, you know, you're not getting a good guy. No, no. When you see Earl, you know you're not getting a good guy. Like the chances are like two percent that they that they were like, yeah, we're gonna cast you as an upstanding, you know, upright citizen for yeah. game or something. You know, that guy is the guy that uh, that killed Amadeus, <laughs> that killed Mozart. So I <laughs> so I know he's a bad guy. So 
as they're walking to her, he explains to him that uh, they have that conversation that people are worse than walkers. These uh, people and walkers, you have to be careful these days. And it's where we get another Daryl stand-up comedy routine where he goes, people are worse than the walkers these days. And, and at least there, as Joe pointed out, people are more of a threat when it really comes down to it. Because it's tr- there because they actually, you know, the, the zombie wants to eat your brain. Yep. You know that that's their one motive. That's their one thing they want to do. They're coming after that. The people, they want not only to eat your brain, but your legs, apparently. <laughs> they want to eat your ribs. They want your supplies. They want your women and children to rape. They want, to, you know, they want what you have and not just to be friends and family. They want. They just want to take out, take take it out on you that they're in this situation. There's so much that they want. Or they believe that surviving means that full Darwin survival of the fittest. I'm going to be the alpha. I'm going to take what I want. And what claim, I to claim what I want. Those people that exist that, you know, that thrive and even this society today, that's the 1%, so to speak. But instead of like, I don't know, they just kind of do it differently. Make themselves rich, I guess. <laughs> now they finally arrive. They finally arrive at the church. And uh, Gabriel is told to, and Gabriel's told to wait outside by the other members of the group while they're going to get in there and scan and see what's inside, and uh, to make sure that it's not a trap. And it, and Rick makes a joke back to him, yeah, to keep my squirrels. I want to make sure I can keep my squirrels. Now, for a moment, it seems like it might be a tense situation. It might be there might be something going to jump out at somebody, but everything seems cool. I mean, it was done. I think the scene was lifted because there was some really cool eerie music going on that set the scene to make it seem like this was going to be one of those situations where we find walkers in the basement or something like that. And Carol ends up finding this book, a book that's related to some sort of something, but it's in handwritten form. No, it's, I think he's like copying the Bible over and over again or copying the different chapters of the Bible. Because when she flipped to the front of it, it said Genesis, and it read the start of uh, the Old Testament. Okay, so he's, he's handwriting the Bible to make sure it exists or something. No congregation and no friends make Gabriel something something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly, so That's exactly the way it seems. Like Almost like he's doing penance, too, in a way, like, which we see from different clues, I guess, through the, through the episode. It might be part of, you know, like he says to Rick, you know, he's like, can something about confess rick says something about confessing he says i don't confess to to men i confess to god yeah but the problem with that is priests the only person that confesses to even the pope doesn't confess to god the pope's got a confessor the fact is is god already knows your sins you don't have to confess to god you have to confess to someone else absolutely to carol (laughs) and it's because she's blowing the fucking shit out of you it's it's no, dark. actually you have to confess to Rick and you have to confess to Rick right now. <laughs> it's true because to take Chris Hardwick's turn, it's back back to a Rick Tatorship, big yeah. time. So it is. It's Rick's way of the highway. So Rick notices a supply of food and all of this. He says he's starting to. Is he starting to buy who this guy is? Say says he is. He's looking at all the clues and it, he's. Uh, it seems like everything that this guy said is checking out. No, he's not. Rick's thinking that? No, I think he, in this Rick's moment, thinking. he's warming up. He's not saying trust this guy, but he's at least thinking we can use this guy to take this food and eat tonight. And I and, and there's no one here to ambush us. I he don't think... He sees that there's a lot of food. He sees that there's cans and cans of food. And if this guy's been alive for so long, how? Yeah. Like, and, he's, he's definitely taken everything in. He's looking around. He's seeing what clues he has. And this guy's story just doesn't add up. How, 
how have you survived this long in the apocalypse without killing anyone, without killing any walkers? It doesn't add up. Henry, get, yeah, sorry. Your clothes are too clean. So, so he joke. So Daryl says another joke before the group all goes back outside, and Rick hands the key to the church back to Gabriel. Now, Carl's being very nice. Carl's basically the nicest guy here, and uh, and just kind of the only one that's treating this treating the priest with any sort of mild respect. Now Abraham says we've got a car. Uh, this guy doesn't need it, and he insists we guys we got all- no, a short bus. They got a short bus out back. Oh, the short bus. Yeah, the short bus stays here. Uh, with the other next Daryl comedy bit, with short bus stays here, guys. Yeah, the short bus ain't going nowhere. It's staying. It's staying put. Yeah, it doesn't run. We got to fix it. So relax for a minute. But Abraham's insisting on moving to Washington, but no one else seems to be interested because Rick doesn't seem interested, and they all. Well, no, no, they kind of seem interested to me. They don't seem uninterested. They're just trying to make it clear to Abraham at this point that no matter, even if they are interested, it doesn't matter. We're with Rick, period. Yeah. Nobody's leaving him. Nobody's going anywhere else. We're with him. Now, Abla- like it or not. Abraham looked very sad at that moment when everyone walked away. He had a very he sad frustrated. Look. <laughs> he looked frustrated. Great, I don't think he really looked sad. Great episode for him, too. He had, he had such a kick-ass speech coming up later. So as the group trickles into the church, uh, they more or less say the same thing to to uh, to Abraham before they go in. Bob confesses that he would go with him, but they're all going to stick together and stick. They with all him. do it one at a time. They do the I'm Spartacus. Kind of. <laughs> they all go up the line. I'm with him. What she said. What he said. What she said. We're all with Rick. Period. Now the uh, the father guy comes back. Father Gabriel comes back in, and he explains that they got all the food from the annual food drive. It lasted. Right. Or the apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. So what's he been eating? He's been, he's been keeping the food and scavenging. So whatever. <laughs> I don't hinky. So there's only one place that he hasn't hasn't been that might have more food because Rick asks him if there's any more supplies and stuff, and he says there is one place, but I can't get in there because it's overrun by about a dozen walkers. And Rick just looks around. He's like, we can handle a dozen. And Bob and Sasha are right there, so they're like, yeah, we'll come. Tyrese, you stay with the baby. You're so good with the baby, Mr. Mom. And Tyrese is like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'll play with this yeah, baby no, all day long. He's more than okay. He's like, listen, anytime you want me to watch that baby, you want to go do something, no problem. I am all about it. And Joe, I'm just putting this out here. If there ever is a zombie apocalypse and I'm stuck in your group, your group or anybody out there's group, I will happily always stay home to take care of the kid <laughs> instead of go on the scary zombie mission. Uh, that's just me. I'll always be that person. You better be able to jump like hike four zombies on uh on fence pickets and then jump through a door to protect that yeah i, I wouldn't be lasting long i wouldn't be beat somebody's face in with your with your bare hands until they're oh and tyrese did say the guy was dead too last week when carol went to go in he was like nope he's dead i did it i had to do it he didn't do it spoiler alert he didn't spoiler do it <laughs> <laughs> he failed <laughs> he failed poorly so, so Bob and Sasha are definitely better picks for this for this team. So uh, they stay. So Tyrese stays behind and uh, watches Judith. And Rick is grateful for all he did, and they share a moment where he th- really thanks him for saving Judith to handle one more of our check mark. We need a character moment to so so the team can be galvanized. Check. So uh, Gabriel doesn't want to go with them. He's like, "I'll draw you a map," but Rick's like, "Nobody, <laughs> nobody, you're." 
You're coming you with stay us. stay here. We don't trust you. You're coming with me. You're not Until staying I trust alone. you, you're staying by my side. Yeah, I'm not getting my eyes off you. So Enemies ri- close. Friends a little further away from that. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. So Rick and Carl share a moment where we talk about... <laughs> Keep your enemies close and your friends a little bit further away from that. <laughs> so Rick and Carl have a moment, and this is where we, I think, ultimately uncover what the biggest theme of this season so far is because it's just talked about in both episodes at nauseum and it will be probably continue to permeate through the whole season. That's trust. It's all about trust. This season is about, it's about who can you trust and who, and needing people. Can you trust yourself? All that sort of crap. So Rick does not trust Gabriel at all. As Joe was saying earlier, Carl doesn't understand why everybody can't be bad. And again, this was a little bit of a lever to beaver moment where we needed Carl to be real. Oh, shucks, dad. Why can't everyone be good? I don't think we needed this. Like the, what Carl's been through in the past two weeks, you should be ready to think that this guy is bad. There should be nothing in Carl's fiber of being that would suggest that this guy is good. And I think when Rick asks him, why do you trust him? I think he almost wants is about like, I kind of thought Carl was going to say because he's a priest or something, because he's got the collar yeah. on or, or one of those things. I think Rick almost expected that too. And his answer was a little bit more mature than that because somebody's got to be good in this world. Everybody can't be bad. I like think the eight people, nine people they're with, they're not bad. Do you know Why how I wanted this scene to go, Joe? I wanted to go, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Carl here. So I wanted this, I don't trust him. It should have just been dad. Don't worry. I'll keep an eye on him. If he does anything, if I see anything bad, I will shoot him dead. Thanks, uh, dad. But, and that's what they were all worried about two seasons ago. When the kid made the move, he shot him dead. Yeah. And they were worried about Shane three seasons ago. And now he would be the biggest asset in the world. I'm still butthurt about the Shane thing. I'm sorry. No, but uh, I'm not sure he would still be an asset. I think he would have been more like the claimed game guys. I think if he had stayed in the group and the group was focusing a little bit more like they were now. No, Rick was a challenge. and He was going to go kill Rick for his woman. Yeah. Glory no, just needed. fucking Andrea, but he didn't care. He wanted Glory. So Glory just needed it die sooner that's what needed to happen Lori needed to die sooner uh, it might not have been a problem between rick at, at that point probably shane at that point. probably would have it's all Lori's I mean, fault no because i th- still think rick shane would have still ended up trying to become alpha dog at some point i hear you but there's certain elements that rick just sounds like shane now he tells him to never let his guard down promise me promise no, me this is this was a good point he made and i i hope i want you to read it but thing that he should have done too is later on that night when that toast was made, he should have said the exact same thing to every other person there. Because what I thought earlier when when Bob and Sasha were playing that game, that positive-negative game, all I could think was, you two aren't paying attention. You're going to get killed. You're not paying attention to what's going around. You're stumbling through the woods. Yeah, everybody's together. But like Rick just said to Carl, even if you're with people, even when you're together, you're not safe at any moment, at any time, it can be over. Just because you're with people, don't think you're safe. Just because you're, you know, you got to keep pay, you got to pay attention. You can't let your guard down. You just can't. When they were at camp that night, they were all sitting, you know, in face to the fire. Nobody was watching out. Nobody was on lookout. And the claim gang came up and tried to rape Carl and kill them. Yep. Think, you think, know, of- you ha- look what happened. Bob let his guard down for five minutes right after at right after that uh, toast. You know, like you have to keep your guard up. There is 
Look what happened to Beth. She let her guard down. You can't let your guard down, period. Andrea, no what, when you're with people or not. It goes as far as early as season one with Andrea's sister after she's taken a piss. She takes a piss and leans up in the trailer for a second and gets bit by a zombie. You need, yeah. you need to constantly always be vigilant in this world. But this is where Carl says the thing that we were talking about earlier, that his response is that we're stronger. We're strong enough to handle it. Even if this guy's a bad guy, we're going to come up on top. Don't worry. We're okay. We can handle it, Dad. And see, that's Carl being not as mature. That's Carl being a very, very young person, the kid that he is. And he, Rick cannot let that stand, that attitude stand. We are not invincible. We will all die if we are not 100% on guard, unless we completely vet people and are, and are sure. You know, like, you just can't trust it. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but Rick's could obviously use the Bob situation that happens as a springboard to be to remind everybody that we can't we can't let our guard down for a second. See what happens when we relax and have a toast and have an enjoyable night. Someone goes missing. We need to always right. They're all like he. Rick tells Carl this in the morning. Don't let your guard down. No matter what, we're not safe when we're in a group or otherwise. And then that night, he's drinking wine. Yep, it's true. Now, Rick, Gabriel, and Sasha and Bob are now heading towards uh, the location where... Like, would last night have happened in the zombie apocalypse? Would we have all sat around and drank shots of liquor? No. No, I, I don't think I would ever... Liquor would never touch my lips again at that point. No matter how much I wanted a cold beer or a warm lager or whatever, shot or whatever, you couldn't take the chance that it was going to slow you down or... <laughs> impair you at all period no i wouldn't even uh, being sick would be such a death sentence just getting sick and being slowed down a little bit even your head pounding from the from the hangover the mm. splitting headache stop stop it <laughs> stop it you're my, my head's starting to hurt it's been a long day you so, can't run from the zombies when you're on all fours gripping the grass so tight hoping the world doesn't spin you off like a merry-go-round how do you fight a zombie in that situation? <laughs> <laughs> now, the next the next moment when they're all walking off towards the location, Bob's talking to Rick about Washington, and and he also says to him that you were right about those uh, the people from Terminus. We should have killed them all. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with I didn't agree with you at the time, but you're right. We probably should have killed all those guys. And mm-hmm. and uh, he sounds like he's trying to convince him, Rick. It's the best to go to Washington. He's he's doing his plea to him to be like, this is the right thing to do. You should talk more to Abraham. Now, Bob says he's calling it. Listen, you're good. We're, you're going, you're going to say yes. Washington will happen. You'll eventually say yes. Now, if this works, Rick, you're going to need to learn how to be a real person again. You can't, you can't get institutionalized by this. It's like a guy going off to war and seeing too many horrible things. You can't go back to a normal life after this. And, and Rick's like, no, this is normal life. And Bob has an interesting response where, again, you know something bad's going to happen to Bob later, where he says, this is a nightmare. The nightmare will end. We'll wake up. You can fight City Hall, Rick. You can't fight, <laughs> you can't City. fight City Hall, Rick. Now, Carol and Daryl, again, are shown after this carrying bottles of water. Daryl asks, 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 I'm sorry, asks if she's okay. And uh, she replies that, you know, she, she, the same Carol response that she always does, you know, I'm going to be. Now, Dar- this is where she's way too humble. She she just acquiesces right to Daryl, and and as superhero-y as she may act, she's looking at him. He's her superhero. Now, Daryl explains that, listen, we need to start over. Everybody does. 
and you you gave us a chance and sh- and Daryl and Carol's like, oh shucks, I just got lucky. <laughs> I'm like I'm watching this. I'm like you didn't get lucky, Carol. You're fucking Rambo. And they they spot a car in the distance. And what's funny about the car? She gets inside and attempts to start it, but it's dead. She finds out the battery in the trunk, and she's like, I I can eventually start this car. And she sets it up so we can start it. But it was almost like that Wayne's World moment where they're walking past something and and they talk to Chris Farley and Chris Farley goes, yeah, this is Mr. Big's car. Uh, <laughs> and they walk away. They go, wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, th- that seemed ex- use the satellite on the roof to beam your message or but whatever. You. They were like, it was like, that's this seems extraneous at the time. But then later in the episode where they just happened to be standing right outside near the car again and uh, and they see the Beth car drive by. They're like, oh, the car's right here. We can go. I was just like, oh, that's funny that we saw the car earlier in the episode. And this was, it was a little bit of a Wayne's World moment in my head. It made me laugh. I thought it was funny. And because Carol and Carol exclaims, we should leave the car here in case something goes bad at the church. We can bug out and get to this car to leave. Yeah. So it it was a good, good setup and delivery. It was just when it finally happened at the end of the episode, I couldn't help but think of that, uh, the Wayne's World scene. Yeah. So he asks Carol one more time, we need to talk about this. Or no, he asks her, can I carry one of the the water bottles? I can carry both of them. And she just bats her eye, but her eye, eyelashes at him and goes, no. And I think Carol was... Well, well, at that point too, he was he was like, let's start over. Let's forget that you left. Let's forget why. Let's forget anything. Let's forget that I was a real dick and, but, and like treated you like an asshole for a little bit there. Let's just start over. Let's... And she, and she she was flirting with him a little. There was a little flirting going on in that scene. I I smell a little a little lovey doveyness going on there, at least affection, mut, mutual ad, admiration going on there. So Maggie and Taro scene for their little scene, and they're look, looking for supplies inside a store, and they hear a stumble inside, and you think it might be a dangerous situation. But it, you know what? It's not a dangerous situation. It's Glenn stumbling out that he tripped over and made a noise. And what I really loved about this scene is that it was a smidgen of old Glenn. We the, this season already in the two episodes, we've we've seen more of original Glenn than we have in since since season one. He you right, actually he, was, he, he joked about it. He's like, "Yeah, I was a zombie. I, I I got him." And then they went to go look, and he was like, "No, I I just tripped over some boxes. I'm just kidding." Yeah, it, it, like, it was just a. Sorry. It was the first time I giggled at Glenn in a long time, and and I was just like, "Oh, Glenn's being funny. That's good." He's because he's been very serious the last couple of seasons. He's been serious ever since he got that freaking pocket watch. Yep. The moment that pocket watch hit his hand, or actually, no, no, no. From the moment he was asked to go get the uh, the are you B four eighty six in your child? <laughs> he was uh the pregnancy test. Yeah, no, no, no. The, I think it was not just the pregnancy test. I think that was the first thing, and then I think she asked him to to go get uh like the morning after pill. Ah, <laughs> and, and uh, we got could pissed off. I almost uh, Maggie. I almost want to do a whole podcast on the uh, on. Was that is that right, or was it or did just the pregnancy test piss her off? No, he, he it didn't piss her off. He got condoms and she got excited and jumped his bones. I don't know if that's what you're thinking of. Anyways, so Glenn found three silencers, which again, I bet are very, will come in handy later. And we get a little bit of Glenn talking about uh, sounding again like old Glenn, where he's saying n- number one, number one rule of scavenging is that there's nothing in the world, that there are still things in the world, but there's, you can find anything you want. It's just hidden. 
that anything anything worth finding has been hidden. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. And Tara looks on with stars in her eyes. And not that she's attracted to him, but she I think she looks she looks at Glenn as a big brother or superhero is she to the way she's looking. She just was she had stars in her eyes looking at Glenn. Those silencers, that's huge. Yeah, those are amazing. That's amazing. And the group arrives at the food bank as they go inside. It's dark and they search for any sign of life. But you know there's got to be some walkers in there. And, or Because we knew there was going to be 12 walkers in there. But they find a hole in the ground with uh, walkers wading around in a pool of water. A cesspool. A cesspool. Love Pop's line. If, 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 <laughs> it, if the sewer could vomit, this is what it would smell like. <laughs> now there appears to be a uh, leak in the roof or the floor creating a pit amongst the supplies. Now, Sasha comes up with it rotted, an, out, it rotted out the floor and it all burst through to the basement. So there was a it was waist high water in the basement, which was where all the food was. As they looked down, it was in all the metal racks. So there was still a bunch of food and containers and sealed and and still that was con- could be considered good food, even though it's been kind of soaked in a <laughs> in, in two so, years or whatever. Yeah, I don't know how good that food's going to be. That's what uh, Steph was saying as we were watching. It's like, I don't know. It skip- was all non-perishable. It was all sealed food. Like, so what if the peanut butter jar, plastic peanut butter sealed jar was kind of floating in, in the sewer? When you wash that sucker off and crack it, it's going to be fresh peanut butter. No, it, it goes to what it goes to what Michonne was saying. <laughs> When you when you're in the zombie apocalypse, that is the freshest peanut butter in the world. Yeah, it's it's what Michonne... you wouldn't be saying. Ew, you'd be like, make me a flaffinata with that. <laughs> it, it's what it's what Michonne was saying later in the later in the episode when she's she goes, yeah, my life's a lot different now. I'm really excited. We just killed a bunch of zombies in a cesspool of sludge for 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 canned peas and carrots or something. <laughs> so Gabriel looks uh. So they're walking through everything, and and they they start to. Sasha gets a plan to use uh, to use ke- the uh, shelving as sort of like a shark cage or something like that to protect yep, themselves. And pike the zombies from behind the cages. Yep. So they go down. They go down the sarlacc pit, and they move. <laughs> they move the shelves around like the shark cage to keep walkers uh, away. A, a better analogy would have been. Uh... The trash compactor under. Oh, that's true. That's bad. That is better. They so under, they ki- uh, cell block thirty nine or whatever it was. So they're killing cell a bunch. Trash compactors under cell block. They're killing a bunch of walkers, but it's all too much for Gabriel. He just can't handle it. And well, he, he sees one in particular. Was it Penny? Was it Penny? <laughs> was it was it a reanimated Penny again? <laughs> so Morgan's uh, wife. <laughs> He runs away through the water and uh, and he steps and kind of uh, steps away and kind of shrills off in the corner, shaking. And Rick kills the walker that he was looking at. And no, no, he didn't shrill off into the corner. He ran against a wall and he all Jesus posed against the wall. And then Rick says to the group, "We got to go save freaking Gabriel." He ran off, and so they all start to make a move. And their phalanx that they're so good at that they make all the time gets kind of interrupted, and everything goes a little haywire. Rick gets to the zombie that's about to that that has Gabriel particularly freaked out. He seems focused on that just that one zombie too, and uh, Rick bashes her head in against a metal pole. Or and something. I think we see Michonne killing someone with a fork in this scene. I believe. No, we see a bunch of killing zombies yeah. in the scene. Cool scene. Push zombies too, like melting zombies. And then Bob, like the biggest dumbass in the world, starts 
gallivanting over there like hey everybody to the point where the people i was watching it with started yelling in the background watch out bob you're being well, an yeah, idiot i'm thinking the same thing like like who's to say that there isn't a zombie head on the floor of this place waiting to bite your ankle or something like it's waist high water it's not like like you have to be a little bit more cautious than wading in through water zombies don't drown do they no they we've seen them walk walking it sort of slows them down but it does not kill them. So, the, so we see we see Bob get dragged underwater, but but he seems to be fine after Sasha kills the walker. He goes, "I'm I'm fine now," but he definitely seems visibly shooken from what happened. But you, they don't make it clear whether he was bit or not. He even gets dragged under the water like Luke Skywalker in the <laughs> crash compactor, right? Yeah, no, pretty much. And, and but what the scene didn't do again is it didn't make it clear if he had been bit or not. But I again, I, I think we're supposed to with what happens later. He must have got bit, right? Well, I don't want to... I, I immediately thought, oh, he got bit. And and when later we see what happened... When we get to later, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. I'd rather talk about it then. Okay, we'll wait, we'll wait there. So so he asks if... Uh, Rick asks if he knew the... If, if he knew that person, asks Gabriel if he knew the woman that freaked him out before, before uh, she turned, and he clearly did, but he doesn't say yes or no as they head. Right, this is when they're walking out. With yeah, all basically the they get supplies. out of that situation and they're walking out of the supplies. Rick and Michonne talk. He, well, he, no, no, he makes a comment to him too. Gabriel doesn't doesn't really answer at all. He kind of just looks at Rick like still with that you know stunned face you know and says uh and rick looks at him and goes oh yeah right you only confess your sins to god yeah in other words you were fucking a priest weren't you yeah that was that that's was what i got too that's what i got too that that she was someone in his congregation that he was having sex with yeah so rick and michonne talk it, this leads into a rick and michonne scene where they set up a little bit more backstory and history and just character development of michonne where she talks about he, he asks her if he, if she misses her her sword, which has been lost in the, in the terminus situation, it took me a second to remember where her sword was, but she didn't get it back at terminus. And she explains it wasn't hers to begin with. She just found it when the outbreak began. And Rick's like, "How'd you get so good at it?" And they joke a little bit about how they're living. This is when Michonne says the line that we just trudge through slime to get some peas and carrots. It's and she says she doesn't miss. She doesn't miss the way things used to be. She misses people. She misses Andrea. She misses Herschel. And she doesn't miss what was before, and she doesn't miss her sword. So so after this scene, uh, Rick, they get back to the church, and Rick walks up to Carl, who's kind of waiting to greet him outside, and he says that he spotted something, and he needs... Well, Carl's just staring at the, at the wall. At the wall. And Rick's like, you all right? What you doing? Why are you staring at the wall? Red rum. Red rum. <laughs> But it, Carl, Carl did a little bit of investigating. He no. kept an eye out. He, he looked around. He absorbed stuff. He said, look, someone's been trying to break into this. Somebody used a knife. That's fresh. and it's Or not necessarily fresh, but that's looks like someone was trying to open that from the outside, break into this, yep. into this church. And someone had also carved into the wall, you will burn for this. And it was like a little bit around the corner. And I kind of thought that was weird. If you're going to send the priest or whoever a message that's on the inside... That was pretty hard to spot. That might take a while to notice, right? Wouldn't you put that on the door? And for what we know about Gabriel so far, I wouldn't put it past him of been the person that wrote this. That whatever he did horrible that we don't know yet, he went outside and he wrote 
you should burn for this because he feels like he should burn for whatever he did. He, there's off, all, obviously a lot of self-hate going on with this guy. Right. That, could be a, that could be a possibility. We can't count that out. But I tend to be on the, on the side of, of that was someone from the, like he, he, it was right after the food drive when all this happened. You got to believe he keeps talking about his flock, that people from the, from the area went to the church, figured that was a safe place to go. Yeah. That's where you would find other people alive. And obviously he had locked the doors and not let people in. <laughs> There's nobody there with him now. There was nobody there with him ever. So we go to commercial break and we come back and it's night again as the group's inside the church. And this is when they're eating and they're celebrating almost like they haven't done since the prison days. Now, Abraham pro proposes a toast where he says to, the, to, the, to you people that are great people that have gone through so much and truly deserve the title of survivor. You guys are the survivors. You won survive. Congratulations, you won survivor. Now he talks again about survival and asks if that's all that they want to be. Or once again, he brings up the Washington thing and he talks about Eugene. He says, he talks to Eugene. He says, Eugene, give some real details. Tell them why you can help in, in the outbreak. And this is where Everybody's you, in the room right there too, right? Yeah, it's right the, whole the whole group's in there or any, everyone why? important. What? Nobody's on watch? <laughs> It's true. Nobody's looking out like you just ran from this place that you know that there were cannibal survivors at and nobody's looking out. Nobody's on watch at night. You just almost got your son raped. Nobody was on watch that night either. You, Michonne or Carl, you were all just sitting around the campfire. Maybe we'd have we'd have to rewatch the scene. There might be one character that was missing, just happened to be missing in the scene. Maybe like Maggie. Oh, I think Maggie Carol, was there. Carol was there. Glenn and Maggie were there. Daryl was there. Everybody was in that room except the priest who might have been in his office or something at the time because someone. Either Carol was staring at the exit or she was staring at, she stared at the office when he was giving this speech. Maybe that was Carol uh, keeping watch, looking at the exit. <laughs> well, she does split right at, this is when she splits. Like, she, she splits right after this. She walks away during, when Rick starts talking. Because she doesn't buy this bullshit. Now, Eugene reveals that in D.C., this is similar to what we heard last There's week, too. There's infrastructure that can survive A magnitudes of undestructible and far greater than all of this and then once we once we level up our character we get food food fuel refuge and a restart button <laughs> yeah he i'm sorry but i feel like he sounds like such a putz like i would have i would be such a voice of dissent about this guy and what his knowledge is or anything now you I don't sound like you sound like a fucking troll from my Xbox. <laughs> now I don't have any uh, from my World of Warcraft days. You know? I don't <laughs> have any pre knowledge of what's going to happen from from any spoilers that I know. But I have a feeling it could probably be one of those things that no matter what, we're still not going to know because he's going to die before he has a chance to do anything. Wouldn't that be just perfect? It's going to be perfect. And Abraham's going to try to get him to tell him how to do it or something like that. And he'll have to admit he was a bullshit artist to Abraham right before he dies. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing some fan fiction here, but, but we'll see. So Abraham explains to the group that no matter how long it takes, to kick, the, the restart button will be kicked in. It's a place of safety for the group. How do you know this, Abraham? How do you know that D.C. is going to be... Washington, D.C. is a pretty densely populated area. Yeah. There's Baltimore right there. There's D.C. right like, there. Like, you don't There's think... Like, like I don't understand... Cities. I don't understand. So he, so he tells Rick to come with them, save the world for Judith, for your little ones, save it for everybody. Like now, you saw what Atlanta was like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's DC going to be like? It's true. And everyone's buying what he's selling. And I got to say, for whatever it's worth, the plan 
although flawed, was sold by the great, uh, great Braveheart speech by Abraham here, like rallying the troops. He really knew how to say what he needed to say to these people to get them on his side. And he he's such a big personality that you can't you want to believe in what Abraham's selling. But even though it's what Eugene is selling, it's like they're ignoring that. They're all looking at Abraham as, oh, we want to this guy really believes him. So we should all believe him too. And well, at this point too, here's the thing. Are you survivors? Are you surviving? They are on the move anyway, because they're trying to get far away from terminus as possible because they know they were survivors. And why not? It gives, it gives direction. It gives a place to go. It gives a goal that has hope to it. And hope is a a necessity. Yeah. These days, everything about it makes sense. You know, that most of the group is down with it. Why not? There's no reason not to agree to go. There's no reason to say no. There's no reason to fight it at this point because you're on the move anyway. It's something to do. <laughs> and exactly, it's something to do. I mean, where are you going otherwise? What's the goal otherwise? So now you have a goal, and that's what you go do. And uh, and everyone's kind of buying what Abraham's selling, and the whole group's looking at Rick to see if Mikey likes it. <laughs> does Mikey like it? What well, does Rick like? Does Ricky like it? And Judith liked it. Judith so liked it. it. Yeah, and Judith said, meh, meh, meh. and uh, Rick said, they're in because she's in. And and Carol, through this whole scene, as Joe was saying, was kind of just staring at the door like... She got up and walked away. She left. She's she like, like, I'm out of here. Get me the hell out of here. So Sasha and Bob have another moment uh, where they connect and get all smushy-wushy, and Bob begs her for one last kiss, and she goes... She just wants to go hold the baby finally. Yep. And she gives him one kiss. And it seems like there, Bob's giving her the vibe like, we're never going to see each other again. This is the last no, time we're going to kiss. It like he was giving her the vibe like, I'm really in love with you. No, I like, see. I'm so happy to be with you. I can't believe you just want to go hold that baby right now. That's awesome. See, I pick, I, I got a completely different vibe from the scene. I got a scene that Bob wanted to get the hell out of that room. That Bob knew something was wrong and Bob needed to leave. Like, that's how I read that scene. I read that he needed, he felt like I need to get the hell out of here because no, I, the, I got I'm, bit. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of it from Sasha's eyes. She's not thinking that. She's not thinking he was bit in the, in the water and he's about to leave. We're viewers. We have a little bit different of a thing, but I didn't think he was giving her that vibe. And I don't think no, she was I agree. on that vibe because he was just giving her and I, I love you so much. I agree with that. I, I don't think, I don't think he was making it clear and i agree with you we were being the bigger audience watching from a distance watching it not being involved in the situation right and it's obvious that let's just get to it right now bob was bit he was obviously bit. okay no no and this is where i want to say it's not obvious he was it's bit. Not obvious he was bit and i'll tell you <laughs> i think they did a good job kind of setting that up we know that bob has problems we know that he's an alcoholic or has suffered from something along those lines. And we know that he gave it up and we know that he's had this kind of bad luck with himself before. Yeah. We know he's also had bad luck with the last two groups that he's, or last few groups he's been with. Everybody's died. So there could be a lot of things. Maybe he's, there could be a lot of things that he's out there crying about. Fair enough. Fair enough. That he's about to die. And I did write that in, in the notes that, that he, they, they did a good, they, the show did a great job not making it, obvious whether he whether he got bit or not i tend honestly we don't like if you got bit if you got bit if someone just bit you and took a chunk out of your skin you're not popping up out of that water going up up 
He was limping though when he was walking but around the. He never. He, we never see him check anywhere. We never see him grab at an area and hold an area. You know, he says immediately that he's fine. He's not screaming or in pain at all. There's no visible blood and there's no seeping wound that anybody notices at any point. He doesn't seem to be caring for anything or being secretive about it. He just kind of goes outside and he starts crying. Maybe he's overwhelmed with love. Maybe he is just completely, you know, in this manic depressive <laughs> swing. We see how positive he is about everything. He's always smiling, even when he's telling Rick, you know, oh, you know, you can't fight town hall, you can't fight city council and all that crap. He's got this huge smile on his face that I kind of want to slap him. He's like, she's like, everything sucks. And he's like, everything's the glass half empty, half bullshit. We know that he had this battle with alcoholism. We know that he was dealing with some other sort of crap. So this could just be a swing in his mood. He could have some sort of disorder in that, in that act. And he hasn't been bit. And they did a good job making us think that you know, he was saying goodbye to her with that one last. Kiss. Now, now I hear what you're, I hear what you're saying, and I think they set it up that that is a possibility. But I, I think if if you're holding my head to the fire of what I think, I think he got bit. That's just I read the scene that he got bit. I saw, I thought I saw him limping. So there's our favor favoring the wound in his leg somewhere where he got nicked a little bit or scratched. But you, you absolutely could be right, and that's the leg they ate. <laughs> And they didn't notice the wound on it? Maybe that's why they cut it off. And they Oh, wait, wait. So he goes outside to cry. He goes outside to cry. and uh, in, But before that, it's a great emotional scene. Before we go to that crying scene, uh, we get Tara and Ma Maggie talking about being at the prison. And Tara basically just explains to Maggie that... Uh, she doesn't do a good job of explaining. Because it's... I don't like necessarily like Maggie's reaction. Yeah, she's like, okay, well, you were with Glenn. Glenn vouched for you, so that's all right. I got teary-eyed in this scene. I, I, I got a little teary-eyed. <laughs> I'm I not sure I buy Phil's he got teary-eyed. I got, no, I did. I got, I, got miss, I got a little misty at Maggie's reaction because it made me miss Herschel. Well, the, the, okay. And that's why I didn't get teary-eyed because I thought her reaction... She was, he, she was like, I was with the governor. She doesn't explain. I didn't shoot anybody. I wasn't down with it. She was, I didn't know who he was. And I just thought you should know. It should get, it should be out there. Like, I think that conversation, yeah, okay. They got it out. They got it out of the way. It's solved in my mind. Maggie knows it's out there and we don't ever have to worry about it coming up and causing drama. That's why, that's what everything was happening in this episode. That's why they wanted to handle all family business in this episode. I and think maybe there needed to be a little bit more of an explanation and I'm fine with not getting it because uh, time constraints and they just wanted to be done with it. Uh, it yeah, they just needed a little bit more. She was pretty cryptic about her. Like I was with the government like about her but in fairness queen but i'm glad that she did and i thought that it was a great thing that she did and we're through. and we're done with it now we wiped our hands clean of all that shit we don't have to deal with that anymore which i like so rick walks over to gabriel and he thanks him for the hospitality he tells a drinking drunk gabriel that uh he knows that something for the sacramental line yeah but he knows that something is wrong and he knows that he's lying to him but if whatever you're hiding and whatever you're doing does anything bad to my family those people i love i'll kill you see you later yeah. and again my i have a big problem that everybody is sitting there even if it's with like one glass of wine i want to sit here and say yeah i can have a glass of wine and it's not going to affect me at all but i'm sorry gabriel's drunk that is a 
big problem. If anybody in your group is drunk, it's a big problem. You can't be drunk in the freaking zombie apocalypse. <laughs> you just can't be, no matter how much you want to be. You just can't be. So sure, I love to have a drink, but if it's going to get my whole group killed or make me stumble out to lean on a Korean pee and not pay attention, it's bad. So I'm pretty sure the two people that weren't that drunk, there's a chance that we're all going to get bit. I'm pretty sure the two people that weren't drunk were, were outside. And this is where we get the Carol and the Daryl scene again, where they're both at the Carol sitting at the car when walkers approach. Uh, she, she kills well, one. She's, she's she's starting the car. She's getting the car started. It's the middle of the night. This is where she walked out from. Right. And she's in a, and some walkers approach, approach and she kills one of them. And Daryl appears behind her and she says, uh, and he goes, what are you doing? And she goes, I don't know. We kind of already talked about this, and we see a car speed by that has this. Well, he's like, he's like, come on, let's go back. And so she's like, okay, she's going to go back with him. She, she needed someone to come and get her to notice that she was gone. Yeah, she and didn't that... feel like she was necessarily part of the group again. Yeah, no one hasn't been in that situation where they just need the extra. They need the extra push, and and then basically we, as I said, we see the Beth car or the car with the same symbol in the back of the car that kidnapped Beth. And Daryl goes, oh, that's Beth's car. We need to go go after her. And they jump in the car and... He bashes out the lights, the back lights, too, so that they won't be seen on the road. And the, and they have the Wayne's World moment where they drive off of the car. So back at the church, Bob... So they just split. They just took off from the group. Yeah. To go after Beth, which means Beth and episode... go after Beth. They're, they're go, it's the same car, or it's the same symbol. It was the same symbol. Daryl wasn't that drunk. In the middle drunk. of the night, right? Do they know where they are? He's a hunt. He's a tracker. Yep. He's a yep. tracker. He knows where he knows where he's going. He knows the, he knows the lay of the land better than anybody else does. Yep. He tracked that car down a concrete road for <laughs> miles last time. Yeah, and he could really find that guy that was obviously spying on them in the woods. He found zero tracks. Now he's listening to all the uh, Bob's outside, and he's listening to all the other characters going on outside. And so he walks over to his tree, and he has an emotional moment. And he looks on the tree, and we see another mark, kind of similar to what we saw, but it's not the same thing, but it's somewhat similar. Uh, and well, I don't even think he noticed the mark, Bob. I, I you, think did he, he see was it just on the tree crying? Maybe. I don't think he was checking out the mark. I, I think he was too enveloped in his tears. Again, I'd have to watch it again to see if he noticed it. It might just be because I noticed it. Well, and, they made us notice it because he's crying, and he kind of turns his back to to take a step away, and we get the feeling like. I I'm, I had the feeling like he was about to go off himself. And I think that, did you have that? Katie had that feeling. I think that's the way they made it seem like that he was got bit and he knew he was bit and he had to go do this. So as and then he gets, he gets knocked out from behind. And immediately I thought it was Morgan. Me too. I thought I, they did a good job at setting that up too, to, to make it make you think like it was Morgan. I think that's why they showed Especially the thing in the tree. Because right after he knocks him out and he like leans past the tree to go like grab the body or whatever. That's when they focus in on this, on whatever's been carved in the tree. And this time, maybe because it was nighttime and it was firelight or whatever, it looked like it had been carved in the tree a lot longer ago than now. So as Bob, so as Bob wakes up after our commercial break, we see well, he, he comes to, and they did a good job of him coming to, yeah. like in the flashes. Focus in on a little of fire. And, and let's be clear about this at the very beginning. We said this earlier. We see the guy from last week that Tyrese was supposed to kill. Didn't do a good job there. It's it's like... He it was pummeled looking. 
but not dead. Yeah, it's like when Simba shows back up with the Lion King, and they're like, "Wait a second, you, you, you bastard! You're, you guys were Whoopi Goldberg and Cheech. You two were supposed to kill, uh, kill." Jo- Taylor Thomas, and now he's back as Matthew Broderick, and shit's going wrong. I saw this movie once, The Lion King. I feel like everybody else in the world has seen this movie a million times, and I don't understand that. Yeah, I have to... uh, We'll talk about this afterwards, uh, after we're done with the show, because I I feel like I should address you to to a different reviewer's review of The Lion King. I think you'd enjoy it. it. Anyways, so he explains that, uh, that, Bob, you're not dead. But don't read too dead yet. But don't read too much into that yet. <laughs> and it's it, we see Martin. We also see Gareth, and this is who's talking. Gareth from Terminus, who isn't dead either. Now, who we speculated that would come back, but I didn't think he was going to come back this soon. <laughs> so we get some crazy music, and which again is is great. This season is moving at a good clip and tying up mysterious. Is this happening? What's going on? Yeah, bam. Gareth is back immediately. He's back. At the end of this episode, we see Gareth again. Now, Bob... Maggie, Maggie, Maggie's thing is cleared up. Uh, Tyrese and Carol's thing is cleared up. Carol and Rick's thing is cleared up. They just, boom. They get it all out there. Nice, fast pace. I'm ex- it's very exciting. It's good. Now, <laughs> now they're not Bo- treating us like, like, like fourth graders trying to string us along in like this... I'm very happy they're not making it this big mystery on all these things and holding out that drama. I'm glad they're trying to move the story along. Now, as Bob comes around, Gareth explains to him that hurting his group isn't something that they originally planned on doing. They, it's just something that they got to do. He adds that... Right, no, no. They weren't going to hurt him. They were going to give him the easy way out. Bat to the back of the head, slice throat, N- that's it. No, I want to clear something up that I found out a little bit more about Terminus they would have given them the option to become one of them. You get two options at Terminus. The one option is you become one of them and eat people too and just be ingrained in it. Number two is if that's if you don't want to do that, fine, we're going to eat you. And because Rick noticed everything and kind of noticed that they had already kidnapped their own people before, it kind of preempted the situation that they immediately just sent them into the cattle line. But initially going to Terminus, you do get a choice. You get a choice of start eating people or leave. No, I'm pretty sure, too, that anybody that Gareth feels is going to be a threat in the future, they're not going to give that choice to. You know, they're not going to... I don't... If you look at that candle room, the answer to that, they give people a choice thing, is bullshit. They're going to keep the women and the kids and the weak, and that's it. They're not going to keep strong people around who are going to maybe challenge these two people to power because they taste good and gareth adds to bob that your people took away my home and that's fair but we're trying to survive like everybody else and as and as gareth is taking talking we're showing the people back at the church all relaxing and having a good time as gareth continues and this is really a creepy voiceover he continues talking about how we have to hunt we have to eat people that didn't start that way but it evolved into that but now we've de-evolved into, quote-unquote, hunters. Evolved into eating people, and now we devolved Into hunters, which is this thing that people have been talking about, book, uh, comic book people have uh, been clearing up that the Terminus people are, in fact, the same as in the books, the hunters, and, or at least influenced by it. And I've, 
And actually one of the commenters that, that wrote in said something along the lines of, I love this show creator. Finally, someone that can make uh, the comic story inspired by the comic story and make it come alive on a visual screen. So, so, uh, so this, so he is basically saying they are the hunters. They're going to be out there hunting people. He said, I can't go back, Bob. Remember I told you that we can't go back. Understanding that nothing happens to him is personal. I want you to know that this isn't personal, Bob, but we would have done it to anybody. And you're like, what? And then it just suddenly yeah, it definitely seems personal. It was absolutely personal. Like eating the fucking leg in front of him, telling him how good he tastes. He says it's cause cause it's cosmic justice you being here at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, a man's gotta eat. And and that's our cue line. The man's gotta eat, and they just do a quick cut to uh, a, a top shot of Bob's leg all like cut in half. Completely and gone. One leg gone. He's gone. Gauze nub and Garrett just and Gareth, excuse me, not Garrett. Gareth bites into a chunk of meat and goes, confesses, and he goes, Bob, if it feels any better, you're way more delicious than we thought you'd be. <laughs> and then they up when we see his foot on the grill, foot on the grill, frying away. And that is the end of our episode. Craziness at the end there, disgusting, amazing. Now, if he did get bit, are they eating a zombie? Is that going to be really you bad? Can, you can probably burn that out. You gotta think. <laughs> uh, everybody's got the virus already, anyway. Yeah, it's only if you Life get bit by. You die. Now, someone wanted to point out that was listening. Um, it was uh, Dale that got caught by the hunters, not Bob in the comics. For for your information, I don't it know was if that. Who? Dale. Who's long dead? But on the in the comics, it was Dale that got caught by the hunters, right. not Bob. I was hoping. I was thinking maybe it was Glenn who got caught by the hunters or something. No, it was it was uh, Dale, and I also do know in the books Dale lost a leg. They chopped off his leg when he got bit in the leg. So there is precedent to the whole leg chopping off thing, because they did it with Herschel too, I believe. Right, they did it in the in the TV show with Herschel. With Herschel, I've never read any of the books. I wanted to buy them when when uh, I almost bought them at Comic Con this year, but 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 anyways. <laughs> that that is it everybody now thank you so much for checking out the episode we'll be back next week to talk more about the walking dead but if you haven't already and you're this far along you can please check out issuesprogram.com to check out all our podcasts and past stuff check out the youtube page fill the issues guy where you can check out some of our interviews from a couple of events that we were at this past year and some more of our older recaps from breaking bad uh walking dead game of thrones 24 Lots of other stuff you'll find on the YouTube page and on the website. Now you can follow Joe on Twitter at, at Dirty Locks and me at I Got Issues Man. And uh, thinking about any other any other hardware, we do want to say again. I said this at the beginning, but Joe was uh, disconnecting at the point. Our huge goddamn thank you to everyone that checked out the video last week. It was uh, a record week here on the YouTube page. Did where we break seventy thousand? We did. It was like 70,012. 70, uh, at the time of the show starting. So thank you, yeah. everybody, for us hitting that completely random milestone that got important to us somewhere in the week. But yeah, no, but 30,000 in one week, that's good. That beats out every single one of our other shows. Yeah. Our next biggest was like 69 something. Yeah. So, so huge thank you to everyone who checked out the video and checked out uh, and commented away. So please do the same thing this week. If you have anything to say about this Walking Dead episode or anything we had to say, agree positive or negative please add to the comment section and we will be back next week to talk more walking dead i can't wait joe
me either. And please leave your comments. We love them, good or bad or otherwise. Corrections, all of it. We love it. Yeah, we, lo- we love it also. Get back to anybody this week. I've been very busy. And every time I think, every time last season I tried to sit down and do comments and for Game of Thrones, it ends up being for hours. Yeah, it's so a full time job. I, I will be getting to all the comments and everything, but this week was very hectic. Sorry. And thank you very much. And we look forward to it and, and having these conversations over the week, episode to episode. Absolutely. Joe, see you, uh, talk to you next week, man.